And we are live. Thank you for everybody waiting. Uh, we had a few technical difficulties. My my bad. But this is Vinny Tortorich. Tortorich? Yes. And, Tortorich. Uh, I, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> my, my ADHD has a hard time with names. But you are the... Uh, director, I guess, or, or the creator of multiple different uh, documentaries that I've gone over on this channel, but also several uh, best-selling books. And I'm very interested to have a conversation with you today about like the evolution of the industry we've seen, especially to present day, because in if you probably haven't checked out my channel or my content or anything like that, I do talk a lot about uh, healthcare in the United States and how we don't have a preventative model. I was a healthcare executive for about a dozen years before I got into fitness. And one of the reasons why I left is there was such a very serious focus on money. And uh, I personally believe in the keeping of people ill. So if you want to introduce everybody, tell everybody where they can find you, and then we'll talk uh, at length about that. I'd love to have a conversation with you today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, first off, folks, I'm not as lean as I look in this photo. For some reason, we have a distorted view of me. Um, but it, it doesn't matter what I look like. It's hopefully I can give you guys some good information. Um, I, I, the one thing is I, I've written two books. Only one is a bestseller. Um, and that would be Fitness Confidential. And um, that book has been out for about 10, 11 years almost. And mm -hmm. yeah, the podcast is 11. So the book has been out for 10. And that book still does well. I, I, it's shocking what the book did you know, just in, in sheer numbers when it came mm -hmm. out. Um, and it was kind of new information when I, when I started the podcast, I, I started the podcast cause I'd already written a book, but I wanted to get my name on, on, on the Google map before right. I put the book out. So I didn't even really know what a podcast was when we started it and we, we started doing it. And of course, back then there was only like a hundred, and 50,000 podcasts out there. Now I think it's two point something million. Yeah. <clears throat> so when we started, we had a big share. And um, that podcast and the book that came out a year later really kind of started an industry. No one had heard the word keto. The word keto didn't exist. The word keto comes out of the, the term ketogenic. Mm. And I refused to even put that word ketogenic in my book, Fitness Confidential or I didn't even use it on the podcast. I just started saying NSNG, no sugars, no grains, because I didn't want doctors to come after me going, he's talking about ketoacidosis. He's going to kill you, you know, right. because people get everything misconstrued. But out of what people like myself were doing, um, there was a few other, Nina Teicholz was there at the time, Gary Taubes. We, we're kind of the OG, as the kids mm -hmm. would say, of, of doing that. Um, Trocalasian, who's a good friend, wasn't around back then. Ken Barry wasn't around. I could go through all the names. Um, you know, they, they weren't out there. Um, hell, I was one of the guys that broke um, um, the guy who started Carnivore on my podcast. Um, uh, um, why is his name slipping? I'm picturing him right now. Um, big weightlifter guy, doctor. Um, uh, Sean just, Baker. Just, Sean Baker. Sean Baker came to my house to do the first podcast and, and when I was still in Woodland Hill. I mean, we, we broke a lot of these guys and, and introduced them to the world. All and it was all good, you know, it's still all good. Um so, you know, at the beginning uh, I was considered a charlatan and a lot of places I still am considered a charlatan. Um and we were all just considered, you know, oh these guys are gonna kill people. You know, how, you know, the first time Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla had me on the, the, the Adam and Drew show. Tons of emails came in going, oh, my God, this guy's telling people to eat bacon. You guys are going to get sued. People are going to die. I mean, th this was what was going on only seven or eight years ago. Right. right? So the industry, you know, this whole industry just kind of came out of nowhere in a good way, but also in a bad way, because now every big industry, and that's what you and I are going to talk about here today, Alan, is now taking the term keto. And you, you can literally take a bowl of sugar, sell it in a store and put keto friendly on it or certified keto or 100% keto, because the, the term keto is not regulated by anyone. It's just a term. It doesn't mean if you see certified keto run, 
because there's yeah. no one certifying keto, mm-hmm. right? You you can sell a bowl of sugar. But it's very similar to the on. word natural. It's not it's not regulated by anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Natural is not. You can you know. Th- there's so many of these words that are just throw terms for the industry, and they keep it that way. And you know. In 1988-89, I had a radio talk show in New Orleans on on an actual radio station before all of this existed called Talking Fitness. Would you believe I was talking about the same thing back in 1989 as I'm talking about today? And You want to think tinfoil hat. Back then, people were like, oh, this guy's got three tinfoil hats in case the first two break. You know, it was crazy. I can believe that because uh, that's right around the time when I got into college. And I remember the big no fat craze. It was insane. Now, I grew up with my dad. My dad worked, built bridges, right? And it was meat and potatoes. No carbs, really, of any kind of the processed nature. But it was mostly veggies, what we could afford. There was many, many nights of sauerkraut and pork chops, you know, like stuff like that. And my dad at my age, looked like I do, and now I'm considered more a Nautilus. Uh, I'm about 185 pounds, 5'9", and I'm fairly muscular, but for my age bracket, I'm 52. I'm going to be 52 this summer. I'm a Nautilus. People can, you know, accuse the steroids all the time because of I look so different than the regular population. And I have said for a long time, like, Whole Foods is the, even if it's not going to be keto, eat vegetables fruits and meats you know i lean now way towards more uh, very low carb because it's just easy to control hunger that way you know i i get accused of some of the same you know i'm, I'm 60 years old Jeez, I'm almost, I, i've lost a lot of um height you know, i used to be just over six feet tall i'm about 5'11 now uh, i think d1 football for that mm-hmm. um now, genetically, I mentioned D1 football. Genetically, I'm not the average guy. Um, and, you know, I've had, you know, hanging around my own pool and there's like some of these dads with kids, you know, like 35, 40 years old. I have the neighborhood come over with their kids and they got the dad bod and they're looking at me going, come on, dude, you're, you're, you're taking something, right? I mean, you, yeah. you, know, you can't be that lean. I, I still sport and I'm bragging now, more than an eight-pack, like a 12-pack. You can see all the serratus muscles and everything. And come on, man. You know, at your age, you take – not only have I never taken a steroid, my testosterone is naturally low. It's been as low as – I get it checked every time. I get blood checked maybe twice a year. And I tell them, you know, check me for testosterone. I'm always between 250. If I see something in the 3 to 350 range – that's the highest I've ever seen. And that started happening. I had leukemia back when I was 45. Ever since I've had leukemia, every test has come in. So people go, how do you build muscle with low? T-? You do. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you will. I have enough testosterone to still have sex with my beautiful wife and build enough muscle to keep, you know, sarcopenia at bay as much as I can at my age. Right. You know, there's no secret there. Right. Now, do, do you, you consistently strength train every day or every or a bunch of times a week? Or what does a workout regimen look like for you? Um, almost every day. And uh, it's very simple. Um, I'm in the gym for about, as you could tell, there's a gym behind me. I have a gym in my office. You know, I, I have a um, squat rack right in my office. But... Either my gym or go to the gym in town, start to finish somewhere between 35 and 45 minutes. Um, I do push on Monday, pull on Tuesday, legs on Wednesday, and then I rinse and repeat. Sometimes I take Thursday off and then I'll do push, pull, legs again, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, And I do that consistently every week. Um, I don't do anything particularly heavy. I do strain myself, you know, I, I give myself a good workout. Mm-hmm. And other than that, like if I'm watching television, as you can see, as a television, you know, you can see in the mirror, there's a TV in my office. Right. What you can't see is 
there's a, a paddle erg because I do a lot of paddling so I can yeah. simulate paddling in my office. I have a, a concept two rowing machine next to that. And right next to that, I have a, um, a spinner. So if I'm watching television, I'm on one of those three devices. Now I know what you got if folks you're out there, you're going, wait, well, well, come on, Vim. We, we can't afford all that. We don't have the space for it and this and that and the other thing. I got it. Get a spinner. And you'll go, well, those things could be a thousand bucks. Not on Facebook marketplace. I, I picked up one for my neighbor during the pandemic. It was an, originally a $900 spinner. I picked up for 150 bucks. Nice. And, and gave it to my neighbor. Especially during yeah. the pandemic, people were selling stuff like crazy. It was right at the beginning. Um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I realized um, we weren't in this house yet. I went, oh, this could last longer than two weeks. I found a gym that was closing. I, we had just moved to Virginia, so we, we hadn't found a house yet. I was living in another house that I owned that we used um, as an Airbnb when my daughter was in college here. I found a gym that was closing in North Carolina. I drove five hours. I bought, some, uh, I bought one bar from him. I bought some plate weights, and I bought a bunch of dumbbells and a broken-down bench that I had to reupholster myself. All said and done, one truckload, I was in for under 500 bucks. The guy said, you know, give me 450. I handed him 500 because he had a snotty nosed kid next to him. And I felt bad. The guy was closing his gym. I right. said, here's 500, man. Just, just keep it. Came home, reposted the bench sitting right here. I'm still using it. Um, still have the, the bar. I, I use it all. And <clears throat> you go with well, 500 bucks. That's, that's pretty rich for my blood. I have a whole gym for that. Yeah. Right. I have an entire gym. You know, I, my wife and I coach a lot of people from obese weights to healthy states. We deal with a lot of people with binge eating and everything like that. People overcomplicate this. Like, you're obviously a person. It's a daily thing, everything like that. People can start getting healthy literally just by walking around the block more often. I think that it, it's overstated about needing equipment like that. Like, I personally work out. I have a gym in the garage. I have a TRX I use outside. My wife is literally teaching yoga right now, so I take yoga almost daily. But that's for our, our sort of thing. I think that for the huge portion of the population, just to stave off chronic illness, nutrition and daily habitual activity works. Nutrition, your your uh, fat and fat two documentaries. I literally went over one of them today and reviewed it. I found them to be so telling that while I hadn't seen that one, I'd seen Beyond Impossible before. Mm -hmm. My wife and I, as well as many other people, we all seem to, when you do the research, come to the same conclusions. Ultra-processed carbs, very bad. Carbs, literally for people, maybe, maybe athletes. Like, I mean, carbohydrates on a daily basis, maybe athletic endeavor, but for the most part, ketogenic, you know, basically vegetables, of a non-starchy nature and, and meats, including the fat, is the healthier way to go for most of the population. How would people like us, who literally we've all come to kind of the same conclusions based off of the data and just from different avenues, how are we going to get this message across to the generalized population? Because one of the things I love to do is statistics. And I go very much off of shared societal burden of chronic illness. And your video, your, your documentaries have done a great job talking about diabetes, chronic illness, epilepsy control, those sorts of things. But the wave of type 2 diabetes, diabetic foot amputations, burden on our healthcare system that's coming is biblical. I mean, it's people don't understand the increased level of obesity, especially in the course of the pandemic, is going to cause a wave of chronic illness that is going to literally destroy the country. How do we get this message across as quickly, as quickly and effectively as possible? Well, you are almost correct, Alan. It's not going to to destroy the country. We're already there. I'm, and I hate to sound like that. I'm not going to be Greta Thunberg and tell you it's coming in eight years. <laughs> We're there. Um, and, and the reason, you know, you go, well, come on, Vinny, what are you talking about? You know, when I left high school in 1981, you know, I, you know, like find the fat person. You couldn't. 
Exactly. Now, I talk about that all the time. And you'll go, well, are you fat shaming people? No, I'm not fat shaming. I've never fat shamed anyone in my life. Nobody wants to be fat. Nope. Right. Even the people who are, and I did a video on this on my Instagram today, you know, it's like, come on folks, what are we doing here? During the pandemic, we, we weren't being told the truth by what they call the natural or normal media. They were saying, line up the body bags. This is an equal opportunity killer. Uh, and now we're finding out this is not hoo-ha or anything else. We're finding out it, it was a common cold or less if you were a kid or a healthy mm -hmm. young adult. Um, and I don't want to hear about your long COVID and all that. You know, some of that could exist. But what we did find out, I, I'll never forget the first time during the pandemic when I saw it, they said, you know, because people was going, isn't it just really old people? And then there was a thing, you know, because my wife is British. We were looking at the Daily Mail and one of the British papers. And she goes, well, Vinny, look, they're saying right here, this woman is 42 years old, perfectly healthy, and she died of COVID. So I, I said, give me that paper. And I looked at it. Yep. She was wider than she was tall. Yep. I said, Serena, does that look perfectly healthy to you? Right. And she goes, oh, I didn't even consider that. I mean, exactly. She wasn't young and perfectly healthy. It, and I said, look, by definition, she had to have type 2 diabetes, comorbidity. She mm -hmm. had to have fatty liver disease. She goes, how do you know? I went, because she's wider than she is tall. This woman weighs at least 350 pounds. She can't be more than 5'3". Look at her. So by definition, type 2 diabetes, fatty liver disease, we could probably throw sleep apnea in there. And I'm sure she was taking five or six extra drugs. Comorbidities. That, does anyone understand what that term means? It means that you have things that if anything comes along, it will take you out. Mm -hmm. It will kill you. Right? That's, we discussed that's what this. With. We discussed this at length also. Like I said, one of the things I used to do for a living was healthcare. And when the pandemic first came out and people started freaking, I was like, you can look at the data. The people that are doing the dying are the people that do the dying every year. It's elderly people and obese people. You know, I mean, it's sad to say then the massive push, almost brainwashing, it seemed like, of people fighting back against that was amazing. Yet alone, our public health officials, and I do use air quotes whenever I say that, not one has come out and said, unfatten yourself, <laughs> like not one. Right. And then when you look at it, not one person telling people how to use a mask, like it was very clear to me, it was purposeful. And I think your video today, and I wanted to get your opinion about this. Do you feel one, that the health of the population has been purposely diminished? And if so, do you think it is for money, power or both? Purposely, no. I don't think uh, they're trying to purpose, purposely diminish the population. I meant the health uh, of the population, it, like the, the actual health, not, not the number, the health. Oh, oh the health. Um, I don't think it's a purpose. I, I think they don't care. It's always money. Money, money is the driver of all of it, right? Mm -hmm. Industries, and I say that in, in FATA documentary, the original, FATA, you know, one. At the end, I go, look, you know, companies are going to do what companies do. You know, look, we, we, I don't know if anyone saw that, that thing about the uh, Sackler family, uh, uh, Dope Sick. I think it was on Netflix or one of these channels. And they talk about, you know, the whole opioid thing because they were putting this drug out there and they just, they knew that this thing was highly addictive. And, you know, they, that family single-handedly started this whole problem that we have in the country of this opioid crisis that has now gone into people living on the street. I mean, it, it, it doesn't take long. Dope sick shows how that happened. Right. And they, they were using a study based on one paragraph that one guy wrote in one, it wasn't even a study. One guy wrote something, one doctor wrote something in one of the, the, the news things at one of the uh, medical journals saying that opioids may or may not be, you know, be, be addictive. And that, that's what they went with and sold billions and billions of dollars of this stuff and got doctors and everyone hooked on this stuff. Mm 
it's an incredible, folks, go watch that. And if you don't think that's not happening in other areas, you're exactly wrong. There's a great book out there. You should read this, Alan, if you haven't read it already. It's called, I read it probably 10, 12 years ago called Salt, Sugar, Fat. And it was this guy from the, um, the food industry uh, working for one of the big companies, Nabisco, one of the big giant, may, maybe Unilever or one of these. And they said, it's not good enough to make this stuff taste nummy, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? I'm using my own words here, not his. He said, they need to get you. So in other words, let's, I'm going to give an example. You buy some Doritos, right? You pick them up in the store the first time. You throw them in your basket. You come home. You may eat those Doritos and you might like them, but they need to make the stimulus so powerful that the next time you go back to the store, you're going, wait a minute, where, where are those Doritos, right? They need to get you back. Right. So it's the same reason restaurants give you bread when you walk in. They want you to leave there going, it wasn't that expensive and I'm stuffed. You feel stuffed when you leave there. Oh my God, I got a good meal. I'm stuffed. It's because they give you all this bread. You know, you're eating before your meal comes, right? Then it could give you less meat and everything else and you still feel stuffed. Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing. They want you to go in the grocery store and get those Doritos again and again and again. Right. So this guy talks about how. They get the best scientists in the world. These guys that should be scientists that should be working on medications and stuff that can save us. The food industry hires these guys and give them boatloads of money to make the foods highly addictive. That's why people are addicted to food and we can't get them off of it. We have them addicted to junk. Yep. We talk about that all the time. I personally, and I coach people on this, treat sugar like it's alcohol. Like treat it, treat it like it's an addictive substance because I can make the argument easily in front of just about anybody that it is. It yeah. is a substance that is refined down, all the nutrients taken out, fiber taken out, very similar to the coca leaf that makes cocaine. It enters bloodstream quickly, has a hormonal effect, has a dopamine effect on the brain, makes the person want more and more and more of it. And this is what we market the children. Yeah, you know, I... I was on Dr. Drew's show. No, I'm just name dropping, but I was on his show about a couple of months ago. I love and, Dr. Drew too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that, that guy. Yeah, we became pretty close friends. And Drew, I was saying, you know, Drew, um, sugar, they're showing that is just as addictive as cocaine. And Drew being a, you know, one of these um, addiction specialists, he goes, well, Vinny, it's not exactly the same. Cocaine will light your brain up here, there, here, 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 and here, and sugar will only do this, this, and this. And I said, yeah, but Drew, here's the difference. We give one of those two substances to kids at birthday parties. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you know, I never thought of it that way. I went, yeah. We, we tell people that one is natural and perfectly healthy. And why shouldn't kids enjoy this? We get them hooked early. And then they can't get off. Right. And he never thought of it that way before. Right. He just thinks of things clinically. But that's the way it works. Well, you talked a lot in the, the one I went over today, fat and fat too, about how there's not a lot of money in studies. And I find that we don't study the effect of foods on necessarily people, especially kids. As a person who has ADHD myself, I remember being probably 13 years old, 12 years old. My parents were told if they didn't give me a full glass of orange juice, sugary cereal in a full whole milk bowl before I went to school, they were bad parents. Um, when you have ADHD, 100 grams of sugar definitely makes focus hard, you know? Yeah. And then most of the people like that are then put on ADHD medications, which are highly addictive. Adderall is a massively highly addictive yeah. substance. Yeah. And I find that the healthcare industry, one of the reasons why I left, is that they're much more medicated in medication and surgery first than they are in lifestyle mitigations and management. Very similar to the case you had with the, the child with epilepsy who is managed via, via ketogenic diet versus uh, just all sorts of meds. Yeah. Where do you think this is going with this? Because like we have children now that are on ADHD medications, antidepressants, type two diabetes medications, 
such as that. Again, like where does it where does it start? Because again, I agree with you. We're almost we're almost over, if not over, the tipping point. How do we do this? Is it just going to like we're going to have to watch natural attrition, where these people die off early and young? It's sad because the, the generation now is not expect. You know, we've had nothing but increase in life expectancy in this country over the last you know hundred years, over the last century. The, the kids coming up now are not expected to live as long as us, right? Mm-hmm. So we're now going, we're going in reverse. So yeah, it's, it's going to be natural attrition. It's, it's just, it's happening. And just two days ago, um, or maybe three days ago now, can you know, days just kind of mush into each other for me because I, I'm, I'm on this all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Now that, you know, CBS have this big, I'm sure you saw this big study, right, Alan, where they're saying, yeah. well, let's get kids early on, on weight loss drugs and, and weight loss surgeries. But can you imagine as they're going as young as 12, let's cut their stomachs out. Let's do, can you imagine, can you imagine, you know, Robert Lustig has been talking about this stuff for the past 20 years. You know, Amazing he's the foremost books, authority. documentaries. Yeah. And, and you know, folks for free, right after this, you can go, if you're on YouTube watching this, you can go right over and pull up sugar, the bitter truth by Robert mm-hmm. Lustig, 89 minutes long. And see what I'm talking about. That thing has been viewed millions of times, and it's free. You don't have to pay a dime for it. And that thing has been around for like, I want to say 10 years. I think I saw yeah. it 10 years ago, you know. And, you know, we, it's not that we don't know this, but we keep, you know, look, when you have, like, you have these vegan doctors out there, and I'm starting to talk about them more and more in my documentaries, you know, Michael Greger is saying that one egg a week, one a week, not one a day, one per week is enough to cause type 2 diabetes. That, that's impossible. An egg does not cause type 2 diabetes. You need to have high sugars. There are no sugars in an egg. And this guy's saying one a week. And he goes, if you have two a week, it doubles it. These are just out and out lies. There's no lies. one's stopping these guys. You know, who's stopping this guy from making these lies? You know, they just do it. We're not, well, I think we're when not you look in a good direction, when you think you look at the, I mean, the ADA or the, uh, the child association that came up with a study that's saying we should medicate children with very seriously toxic drugs like smeglatide that has basically been around for a while got Black's Box listed because it has adverse events, including possible thyroid tumors, is now remarketed as Wegovy, Ozempic, uh, several pill forms, that sort of thing. Giving that to children, we, we have no idea how that's going to affect them in the long term. None at all. Like, no. There's no way to determine whether they're going to keep the weight off. There's no way to determine. That the study they used was 174 kids. That's, yeah, not, that's not a large sample size. Right. And, and by, by the way, you know, giving kids drugs that young, you, you're bringing them, as I always say, you're bringing them under the big top. You're gaining mm-hmm. an audience of you fix everything with a pill or a shot. And it just doesn't it just doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, the increase in childhood obesity is a huge thing during the pandemic. 2020, the, the obesity rates increased 10 times what it had been in the previous years. How does it, I talk about it all the time. I personally kind of just put it out there that if you've got a 250 pound 13 year old, that's abuse. How is it not seen that way? If we had a 60 pound 13 year old underfed, they'd be taken. At the very least, social services would show up. But a child that literally can barely walk, we say that anybody that says that they should lose weight is fat shaming them. And I think that's where it's at. Like the the money generated by Novo Nordics, which makes uh, Wegovy and Exempic, is insane. The ads right now are crazy. Oh, yeah. The only time I see ads is when I watch Sunday football. And it's it's on Sunday football. Yeah. You know, know, to answer your question about that, you know, know, why wouldn't social services show up? Uh, Number one, when a kid is drastically underweight, and we've seen this happen where these vegan parents have killed their kids, 
mm-hmm. and they end up in prison and the whole thing. When they're underweight, you know, we go, oh, someone's starving that kid, right? That's, you know. But if a parent, if, if, if the social worker, and of course, there's not enough social workers to go around, if a social worker shows up and says, okay, Alan, your kid is 250 pounds, your nine-year-old is 250 pounds, what are you feeding that nine-year-old? Mm-hmm. You know, standard American diet. But really? If I take your kid on the side here and ask your kid what he's eating, what's he going to tell? And they could take that kid on the side. You see, I'm just bringing up a scenario. Kid, what do you have for breakfast? Hard, healthy cereal. What, what, is you, what kind of milk? Non-fat milk. Yep. What, what do you have at school? The lunch my parents give me. What's in there? Uh, fruit roll-ups and this and that and the whole thing. Uh, do your parents allow you to play sports? Yep, play soccer in the afternoon. I'm on a soccer team. They, look, I can show you my participation trophies. They're all over here. Okay, you play soccer. How long do you guys play? About 30 minutes. What goes on after that? Well, there's usually a mommy that comes along and gives us all muffins with one inch of icing on top, yep. right? And Gatorade. And so the healthcare worker would walk away from that going, nothing to see here. Standard American diet. Right. Eating very, very low fat, very, you know, just carbohydrates and nothing else. Very low fat. Yeah, this kid obviously has a genetic problem, right? right. They changed the narrative. Yes, genetic problem. And, and, and there go. so nothing would happen. So that's the answer to it. I just did the scenario that would happen. The change of the argument to its genetic they worked that in in the last like five years. Uh, I argue all the time that I actually have a video coming out at like six thirty on YouTube. Nobody cannot lose weight. I find that to be so insulting to people's intelligence. If you feel you cannot lose weight, go on one of these shows like Alone. That, that it's a survival show. You'll yeah. get to collect your money. All you got to do is learn how to gather water and build a shelter. You'll collect your million bucks. Yeah, but. To say that no, you can't lose weight no matter what is just an open-faced lie. To say right. you couldn't get your child to lose weight, you people can always eat less. I also hear the argument that it, it's too expensive to eat healthy. That's not my experience. What about you? No, it's not. Um, people say all the time, I, I can't afford beef, can't afford steaks. Guess what? Not many people can, but we can all afford um, there's a lot. It, it, ground beef. Ground beef. And look, it's all gone up in price somewhat. Mm-hmm. But so has broccoli. So has everything else. You know, I get it. You know, uh, eating mac and cheese is going to be cheaper. But you're going to end up with bigger problems down the road, insurance-wise or, or medical-wise. And you're going to wish you had had the ground beef. I look all the time. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. <clears throat> I live large. I buy the nice ground chuck or whatever, you know, I'm living large, 80, 20. If I could get uh, 75, 25, I'll get that. I live large, right? And I pay about a buck more per pound to get that. But I've seen beef at the Harris Teeter, where I'm, I'm giving you the name of the store. You get these big rolls of beef, right? They come in big plastic things like this. Mm-hmm. I've looked at it and I've actually done this and I went, wait a minute per pound, this is cheaper than the dog food I'm feeding my dog. I'm going to bring this home and treat my dog. Mm-hmm. Ground beef, and some, and this is not the best ground beef, but it's good quality beef. Some of it is cheaper than dog food. And if you can't feed your kids with something as cheap as dog food, you might want to reconsider having any more kids. Yeah. Yeah, because people actually, we, it's going to make me sound like a horrible human being. You're on the right show, buddy. (laughs) To drive a fucking car, you must get a license. Any idiot can go have a kid, Mm -hmm. right? You need a license to catch a a fish. You, you, You need a license to go hunting. You need a license for everything. Kid, boom. Go try to buy a gun anywhere in this country. Go buy a gun. Yep. You're going to do a little background check. Why can't we do that with 
Well, we can't. That's amoral. You can't. People can have kids whenever they want. Okay. Let me give you a better example. People will go out and go, you know what, honey, you want to get a puppy? Yeah, let's get a puppy. Yeah, oh my God. All right, let's go to the pet store first. We, we need to get a crate. We're going to crate train it. Oh, we, we need a leash and we're going to need a collar. Oh, it's going to need puppy shots. So uh, make a, you know, before we pick up the puppy, let me make a, a, a thing at the vet, make sure that they know we're coming in. Yeah, but we're going to need PP pads because the puppy went on peeing all over the house. Yeah. People will spend more time preparing for a puppy. But, you know, they'll go out one night, get drunk, fuck it out. Can I say fuck on your show? I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, my God. I have shirts that say fucks million spoken and ungiven. Like, okay. I'm, basically, I'm basically like you and Dr. Drill with swear words. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. So you can people, feel yeah, the fuck free. Fuck. Okay. So let me say it again. People will fuck it out mm-hmm. and go, oh, look, I'm pregnant. All right, there you go. I'm pregnant. No thoughts. No thoughts. And, you know, I, I've had young, you know, relatives, right? And it's like, hey, I, I, I see your, your wife over there is pregnant. Um, you make minimum wage. What are you guys planning on doing? I don't know. We're, we're going to figure it out. We'll, we'll, figure we'll get it out. all figured out. But you know that baby's coming. You know, there's a gestation period. That baby's coming in a few months. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. You know, maybe she could pick up a couple of, she's going to pick up shifts. Really? She's got to take care of that baby. She's need to, she's got to drop you. You need, you guys got a crib yet? Nah, I don't know. We're going to get one. People spend more time buying a puppy. It it's makes sad. no sense to me. I didn't mean to go off on a tirade here, but. Oh no, please. Tirades are guys more not. than welcome. And that's what we do on this channel. Uh, I, my history is a little different than yours. Like you, you were on Oprah, everything like that. I've been basically YouTube and the fat acceptance community. The it's actually a movement now about five or six years ago. I pointed out that this might be, might not be the best healthy endeavor for society. Right. Yeah. Do you think that a huge portion of where we're at right now is that we just don't want to hurt people's feelings. We have softened a society to a point where feelings matter more than people's health. I don't know how that whole feelings-based thing came around. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid back in the day, you know, look, everyone on, on you and I are the same guy. We're the same, close to the same age, but and they call me Grand Torino on online, right? You know, awesome. get, you know hashtag <laughs> Grand Torino. But the bottom line is, they call me asshole. <laughs> what do they call you? Asshole. <laughs> Asshole, yeah. That uh, motherfucker. You know I like I like your I like yours better than mine. I get the Grand Torino thing, and they all say, you know, dude, come on. It's like, look, I grew up with Vince Lombardi saying winning isn't the isn't everything is the only thing, and you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all of the time, and you know nobody's perfect, you know. But if you strive for perfection, you might land somewhere near excellence. You know, and all, right. you know, I grew up with all of these these things. Now we tell everyone you're perfect the way you are and you're you and the world should see you the way you are. Let, let me, can, can I play something on your show? Let's see yeah. if we can make this work. This is, I just put this up a couple of hours ago on my Instagram and I want to play it and then I want to, I'm going to tell you some of the comments I'm getting. All right, so here it is. Let's see here. Oh, two different videos lately that were pretty concerning. One said that people who exercise are actually body shaming everyone else who does not. The other one said that folks who exercise are actually racist. I have trouble wrapping my mind around either one of these thoughts. And then I remembered a friend of mine who's been sober for well over 20 years. He was telling me that when he was in the throes of addiction, he blamed it on everyone else, not himself. Does that sound familiar? Stay motivated. Okay, I'll put that up a few hours ago. And Mm -hmm. um, so as of right now, it's been viewed uh, just past 30,000 times. And there's 93 comments. And most of those comments are, yes, thank you, perfect, we love this. 
but there are two or three comments, and I, I always love these where people and they say the same thing. Yeah, bro, that never happens. Those those videos don't exist. They absolutely exist. I, I wrote back, dude. They're on Instagram, they're on Google, and they're on YouTube. You can find them. As a matter of fact, I remember one of the ones I saw. I think the one where they said it was a racist thing. She was, uh, uh, she looked like an, she was an Indian, you know, uh, from India, a, a girl, uh, overweight Indian girl. Don't just, you can't just dismiss something by saying, okay, yeah, that never happened. When you could easily Google it right. and find it. And by the way, it's not, I saw two videos, but over the last six months, people have sent me tons of those. Oh, yeah, right? But I, I talked about, have you seen them? Have you oh, seen absolutely. these videos? That's really my world where I, I'm kind of fighting back against this ridiculous acceptance of what would be a death cult. I think that you even called it that. Uh, but the article you're talking about, it's Time Magazine called Fitness White Supremacist. Time fucking magazine. <laughs> right. And someone else brought that up. Someone says, you're not talking about a video. You're talking about Time Magazine. There's videos no, on it. it. Tons, tons, tons. Yeah, there's tons of videos on it. And I, I could have mentioned, and by the way, Time Magazine, but I try to keep these things under 30 seconds. Yeah. So I just wanted to get in and out. And I didn't want to mention, oh, by the way, Time Magazine. I knew about the Time Magazine thing, but I went with, I saw two videos because I've seen at least 10 videos. Oh, Most yeah. of them are the shaming thing in two or three of them that I saw was if you exercise, you are a known racist. Mm -hmm. So do you know who's, have you ever heard of CT Fletcher? No, you know, no, I'm sorry. I haven't. He's a, he's a famous power lifter owns uh, a gym in California. He's business partners with one of my business partners and he's a black man. In fact, mm -hmm. all of my other business partners are all either Black men, Jewish, Indian, uh, from Iran, from Iran, like to call fitness racist is a flat, open face lie, but in effect, kind of racist itself. Like when you think about like how you're stereotyping not only white people but black people, you're you're stereotyping black people to be unfit, like right. not fit. It's so. We, like we've lost logic and critical thinking in the last like decade, especially it's always been going, but the pandemic broke people. It just, I mean, they're able to say ridiculous statements such as exercise yeah. is white supremacist. I, I don't know. Look, I, the gym I go to whenever I'm not working out of my own gym, I'm one of the few and I'm Italian. So I'm not really, you know, we used to not be called white, but I think yeah. now we're called white. And, um, but I'm one of the few white guys, me and a Jewish guy named Matthew. I'm not going to give his last name here. <laughs> and Don, me, Matthew and Don, the only white people I know, um, Carrie, let's see, she's Polynesian. These are the people I see when I go at two o'clock in the afternoon about the other half is mm, black, black, you know, or they, they could be from one of the islands, or, you know, but they all speak American black. They don't have like a, an island accent. So right. about half of them are black. Uh, and the rest is some mixture of Middle Eastern of sure. something, right? That's my whole gym. I mentioned the three white people that I know in my gym, mm -hmm. right? Are they all, is, how, how is that even racist? Do I go to the only gym where black people and people from the Middle East show up? What do you think the motivation is about stuff like that? Because it's obviously to get people not to work out. Uh, it's, I mean, I, I it's think, obviously. I think it's right. It, 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 number one, it's, um, it's idiocy, it's stupidity, it's ignorance. And I think it's, it's just race baiting. It's just all race baiting. You know, mm -hmm. the, it, 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 look, when you, you're, losing, you're losing your argument when you say something that idiotic. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're losing your article, your, your argument. Uh, most of the NFL and NBA, mm -hmm. would you say white guys or black guys? Right, right. I mean, it's it, it's very obvious. The statement's ridiculous. A lot of the people in the body positivity community, 
I believe, since they have no argument, they try to claim that they're discriminated against for being fat. Uh, airplane right. seats are too small. Clothing doesn't fit them. Like society hasn't accommodated their their chronic illness, basically, of being morbidly obese. So since that wasn't sticking, about five years ago was the first time. There's actually a documentary called The Dark Side of Fat Acceptance. It's about me getting canceled for uh, going against this community, this fat acceptance community. And it was the first time I got called racist for saying, if you're fat, you're unhealthy. And I was like, how do you even get there? And the argument is yeah. that body positivity and the unwillingness of people to accept obesity is because we don't want to accept black women who are historically fat. So I'm like, you're calling all black women fat. <laughs> like, how, how, does, how is that not racist? But these are the arguments that we have. And if you look at mainstream media right now, the same people that are talking about how we should give drugs to 12 and 13 year olds are also saying that if you say a person is obese or unattractive for being 400 pounds, that you're some kind of uh, fat phobic or racist. So it's just a weird dichotomy we're living in where we're gonna drug children or cut out portions of their stomach for being obese. But if you talk about an adult that's obese, they try to cancel you from the world. I think I saw a video that you did just yesterday or day before where you were talking about uh, Lizzo. Was it you, Alan? Yeah, it's me. Yeah. I, I did a Lizzo thing a couple of weeks ago. Um, yours was better than mine because you actually took one of her statements and broke it down. But my thing was, it's like, look, I get it. Lizzo, very talented, very talented young lady, beautiful. I mean, the woman's, she's gorgeous face. She, she's got all... Okay, she gets applauded for being fat. And yeah. then this other girl who's also talented and, and beautiful, and, uh, but she decided to lose weight. Uh, this British singer, I can't remember Adele. her name now. Adele, I talked about these two people in my video. She lost weight and now everyone is hating on her because she decided, hey, I wanna be healthy and lost the weight. And now because Adele lost weight, she's supposed to be hated. Which makes zero sense. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, and we shouldn't mention his name because he's a child molester, but we used to have, uh, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, the guy uh, um, on the, um, the commercials holding up his pants. Jared. Right? Jared. I was going to say Aaron, but Jared. It was like, look, Jared used to wear these pants, and he, it looked like the curtain for a movie house, right? And mm -hmm. now look at Jared. All he did was ate our sandwich every day. And that's how Jared lost weight, right? We used to applaud people, even though Jared turned out to be folks. Jared is a child molester convicted. And, you know, thrown into a witch Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't get that in any way, shape, or form. But we used to applaud people for losing weight. Now you can't. Now you right. applaud people for saying, I'm fat and I'm going to wear this bikini. And everybody goes, you go, girl. You go. Right. It, it, Go on, baby. You are the bestest. Just do it. Right? These same people, like I've, I've been told before, well, Lizzo eats healthy. In your opinion, because I've stated my professional opinion about this, I've coached a 1,000 people to healthy weights. A 300-pound woman, is there any way she eats whole foods healthy? N no. No, there's right. no way. And, you know, no, it's, it's a three hundred pound. It's a, you're not going to be healthy. Any doctor who's saying that she's healthy is lying to her, and that doctor should, you know, be brought up on charges. Sorry, I agree with that. You you just brought up an interesting concept because I say this all the time. If you go in to a doctor's office and you're three hundred pounds, and they don't have the conversation with you about their weight. I consider that malpractice. I consider that negligence of, their, of, of medicine. It is very clearly what's best for you. Like, I have this one statement that I'll, I'll probably talk about it when, we're, when I'm on your show too, but like the actual societal burden of obesity is enormous. And if you just think about it from a healthcare standpoint, and I was a healthcare executive, 
we look at it as burden. Like, so right now, America, according to the CDC, had $4.1 trillion in uh, healthcare burden in last year or the year before. They say on their website, 90% of that is due to chronic illness, uh, chronic illness and mental illness. It's also pretty well documented that about 90% of type 2 diabetes, 80% of cardiovascular disease, 70% of all cases of strokes, and 70% of all cases of uh, with the strokes and uh, cardiovascular disease strokes. So I, lost, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, those are the big three anyway. Cancer, uh, the, the 70% yeah. of all cases of cancer are avoidable by lifestyle mitigation. So when you average that out, that's about 80% of the 90% of $4.1 trillion. That is a, a burden that we could avoid if everybody listened to people like me and you and got enough hydration, sleep, ate mostly protein with healthy fats, uh, stuck to away from the carbohydrates, got some strength training and everything like that. That works out to about 2.7 to $3 trillion, depending on the variance number of healthcare burden that's avoidable that we all share in through insurance costs, and or from our taxes because the federal government is the largest payee of healthcare burden in the United States. But what people don't understand is that's burden for us, that's revenue for pharma and healthcare industry. That's right. And in my mind, that's the goal. From, from what I saw in the healthcare industry, and I wasn't just, I mean, I ran dozens of buildings. I did a nutrition for dozens and dozens of buildings up in southeastern uh, United States. The goal is profit. It's not health. It's absolutely right. profit. And when I say that your obesity affects us, everybody, it does on multiple levels, especially when you consider that public health, like public health uh, mitigation starts with the health of the public. Right. If we weren't so fat in 2020 and people didn't know that they were sickly, I don't think people would have been able to be that scared. Were you ever scared in 2020? Um, uh, to be honest, for the two, first two weeks. Right, because, until you got the info. Well, the first two weeks, they, they were saying uh, things like, and I'm paraphrasing, don't even try to wear a mask because this thing, the only mask that would work would be an N95 properly fitted all the time. Mm -hmm. So... Don't even try to put a mask on. Just yeah. shelter in place. That was the term we all heard. Mask right. will, this came from Dr. Fauci himself, from his mouth. Right. A mask will not work. Folks, if you say that never happened, you can fucking Google that shit. Oh, yeah. Um, a mask will not help you. This is, this is the micron of this and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, shit. This is, and I'm going to tell you what else scared me. Um, my sister-in-law was in New York, and she was coming to visit. Uh, for your audience, my sister-in-law is uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, um, somewhat famous celebrity. Um, yeah. so she was coming to visit us with her boyfriend who runs Bloomberg News. Guy runs one of the biggest news organizations in right. the world, John Micklethwaite. So they're coming to hang out with me and my wife. And this is a couple of days before the shutdown, they call us from New York and said, hey, we're heading back. And we're like, what? We were waiting for you guys. We were excited, you know, restaurants and the whole thing. And Kristen said, no, they're, they're shutting. They're shutting this country down. And we're like, oh, oh, come on. What are you talking about? She's like, no, they're shutting the country down. And we're like, what, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, you won't be able to fly in and out. This is happening. So you see people that run Bloomberg News, they, they know this stuff ahead of time, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so lo and behold, they flew back to England. And within three days, they said, hey, two weeks. This is it. You know, so I was scared. To, and they said, if you buy anything from Amazon, leave it outside. This right. stuff can live on cardboard for two weeks. Remember that? Yep. You, you got to spray it. I called a guy that has a, a, a mitigation service that mitigates mold and all this stuff. I said, hey, he sent me some stuff. He goes, spray it with this, spray everything. We took it. And then I, I looked around and went, wait a minute. Yeah. A virus living in open air outdoors for a day? Eh, 
I smell a rat. And then all of a sudden they're going, if you go anywhere, you have to wear a mask. And I said, wait, I thought the mask didn't work right. two minutes ago. And now they're saying it works. And, you know, just one thing after another. And I was like, from, and I, you know, I mean, I, I do documentaries. I, I try to get down to the truth. Things weren't adding up pretty quickly for me. Right. Pretty quickly. And, um, they kept talking about line up the body bags, line up the body bags. And it was like, wait, some people are dying, but not that many people. And they all seem to be in old folks homes. And, yeah. you know, I talked to Dr. Drew about it. I said, yeah, but the hospitals are overfilled. And he said, yeah, hospitals work at, you know, they want to have every bed full all the yep. time. So yeah. they're always operating at capacity. Yep. Right? I, I once fired a hospital administrator for running 85% census for a month. Yeah. Like, cause his budget was 90, 95. It's right. they're always supposed to run that way. They're supposed to run almost completely full. Right. And the, the, the hospitals are full of COVID patients. And I found out, Oh no, it's full of patients. Yeah. Right. So when you have a, an influx of COVID people and you know, one thing, you know, I, I was just looking at it from the beginning when they were going, don't go outside. And I'm like, doesn't that seem like the best thing you can do is get some fresh yeah. air and, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I didn't buck the system. If I was out in public, I wore a mask when I got out of, you know, walked into wherever and wore a mask. And, but I quickly saw, right. <clears throat> I went home to Louisiana and a lot of restaurants didn't close. They were like speakeasies. It was like, yeah, restaurants open. They, they just have I'd walk in, everyone's inside eating table, you know, no, no checkerboard to everybody crowded in. I'm like, is anyone getting sick here? And the guy's like, ah, everyone's fine. I'm like, I thought everyone was dying from this. It's like, no. Nah. And then places like Florida had, you know, and then I started looking at, you know, there were these riots and everything because everyone hates Trump and they were doing, it's like, well, why aren't those people at the riots? They, they don't seem to be getting sick. You know, I'm just looking at everything going, it does, I don't see what they're saying is going to happen happening. You know, these super spreader events, so to speak. Right. So, I don't know. Well, when you technically look at it, there was a, multiple reasons why I knew that our public health officials were full of shit. I know we can, we can wrap it up because I think that it's an interesting thing for us to talk about is public health. I actually helped write a few disaster plans, including outbreak plans for counties in, in like Allegheny County, Shimon County, New York, a few places, other places. Right. And one of the things I noticed is that one, there was no PSA about masks, because if you wear a mask incorrectly, you actually increase your chances of infection because you're touching your face more often. Right. Yeah. But also we sent college kids home. Like that was one of the first things they did. Like we've got such a very serious virus that we're going to send college kids home. So you're going to tell me that these kids that have probably been exposed many, many times because the concept that a virus that's been around the world, we've, we caught patient zero in America is idiocy. Like, I mean, right. it had been around for at least four or five months, probably September of 2019, right? So we have these college kids from all around the country. They come together at one college. They roll all over each other because that's what college kids do. They all go to spring break. They roll all over other college kids from different places. Right. Then they go back. And then we're going to send these people home to their middle-aged parents and elderly grandparents. Right. I can't think of a more effective dispersal method for a virus. To You yeah. gather people around from all over the country, put them together, put them with other people again, and then send them home. And I just was looking at the data and the stuff from in early January, I was reading the articles from Italy and China and they were saying it's elderly people and fat people. Right. And the very second that nobody said right now, you should really try to get your health in order. You should try to get your nutrition in order. You should try to get your weight down, plenty of vitamin D. Instead it was closed gyms, locked down, stay inside away from the sun it was everything you would tell people not to do. Right. And I just think that our public health officials kind of sold out. I think a weak population, a sickly population is a manipulable population. Yeah. And that's been happening for a long time. That's actually when I first watched your first documentary 
uh, Beyond Impossible was because I was like, they're doing this on purpose. And one of the right. things I found interesting about Beyond Impossible was how hard the push is for veganism and how the, the fake meats and all like that, when we can clearly tell it's not as healthy, you know? And if you could do anything for the health of the public, of generalized health of the public, what would be the largest recommendation you could give? Well, um, the first recommendation I would give um, would be, wow, uh, uh, that, that's a loaded ass question right yeah, there. Uh, on one level, I would say eat more meat, but then they would go, all right, I'm going to eat meat. But if you're still having, maybe I would just put an ad out there. Like if you do one thing and say, look, you've been lied to about fruit juice. It's worse than a Coca-Cola. You know, yep. Just like we, we, we did the cigarette ads at some point and said, look, you've been lied to. Yep. You know, fruit juice is nothing but a glass full of sugar. But no, we're, we're, we're barreling down that road of have more of this stuff. It doesn't work. No. And if, if Harvard and Walter Willett and company really wanted to do an epidemiological study, look at the people that have been doing carnivore or low carb or keto or paleo or whatever for the past 10, 12 years. As I said in one of my Instagrams about a week ago when I was in England, I said, you know, <clears throat> they used to say that if you eat too much red meat, you're going to die of heart disease. But right. there's too many people proving that that's not true. So they just changed the narrative and said, if you have too many cattle, we're going to melt the polar ice cap. You know, <laughs> it's causing global warming. So they went, okay, we tried that. It didn't work. So let's lie in a different direction. You know, so they're going to just keep, for, for whatever reason, they don't want to see us eating cattle and pigs. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I don't know, I, I, you know, maybe a push back to do more of that. I think that would be awesome because it needs to be, you've been lied to. Because people yeah. will find that much more palatable than you made a mistake. I, I, I agree with that. I try yeah. to approach it that way with people like, hey, you you just have this wrong. Don't believe the lie. Reality exists um, because we're openly lying to ourselves. I mean, even if you look at the climate change issue, not one person can tell me that they're serious about climate change without talking about people not being fed. The average obese person uses 20% more carbon or emits 20% more carbon into the atmosphere, yet alone based off of the extra production, transportation, consumption, and waste they put into the environment. Yeah. Like if we have 50% obesity, which I have been to Walmart lately, so I would assume we're at 50% obesity. If we could reduce that down to 25%, there's the 5% reduction in carbon emissions that we're looking for, mathematically. You know? Yeah, but you see, people don't want to talk sense. They just want to talk right. gibberish. I mean, yeah, look, I, I say this about everything, you know. Um, I talk when I, and beyond impossible. I said, you know, they, they want to lower the carbon emissions. They, they create this stuff in China. It then has to be, you know, somehow brought to the United States and then they have to put it in a factory and they have to make it there. So that's more carbon, you know, in the air. And then, uh, you know, and then it's not really that good for you. So they're saying, hey, this is better for you and better for the environment when in fact it's not better for either. Right. right. But, you know, nobody wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about. I, I, I've been saying that about electric cars. I mean, you can uh, have an electric car, you know, it just runs on electricity, no carbons. It's like, where do you think the electricity <laughs> comes from? It comes from either coal or diesel. Something has to turn those big turbines over at the electric plant pumpkin. Yes. And, you know, uh, yeah, but it's not as much. No, it's more. It's more, right? And, it's absolutely more. Look, lithium, even, you know, lithium mining is no. horrible for the environment. Yeah, and these are the same people going blood diamonds. Okay, guess what? You know, they're using the same kind of methods to and and exploiting people to get this lithium. And when you're done with your stupid car, what are you going to do with the battery? Right. Where's that going to go? Where are you going to dispose of that? You you've taken a problem and made it ten times worse. I mean, another worse. thing too. I would never buy a vehicle that they could just remotely turn off. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I mean, that sounds crazy to me too, but 
I tell you, what, it's been amazing talking to you. I try to keep these things to about an hour. Do you have any last things you want to say to anybody or tell them where they can find you, what, where, they, where they can watch? Yeah, um, folks, you might want to go over to um, VinnyTortoris.com. You'll see all my podcasts there. You can find it on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, you know, Spotify, wherever you watch podcasts or listen to podcasts. I don't put them all up on, uh, you know, I do five a week. This year we're going back down to three a week um, just to condense them more. But um, you can find my podcast wherever you want. Every now and then I'll put them on YouTube, usually the Monday show. So you can go check that out um, and you, you'll be able to hear Alan on one of my shows because I'm going to grill this guy, man. I'm going I'm to get into do. it. Yeah, we're going to have with this guy and see what he's doing. Am I allowed to um, swear on your show? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's where awesome. you want. Um, and, um, you, know, my, um, you know, my three movies, um, you know, Beyond Impossible is the most recent. Um, and we have Fata Documentary, which I was bragging about this to, um, I'm going to name drop again, Mike Rowe today uh, in yeah. a private conversation. Um, my first movie, it came out the same year as that movie with the rock climbing guy. Um, free solo oh yeah yeah we knocked that guy off of the the top of itunes and amazon for five weeks we became the number one um documentary and that's the documentary that got documentary of the year it got the oscar we kept them off the charts for five weeks and it's the number one movie that gravitas ventures has ever put out not the number one documentary the number one movie um, and I'm, I'm just bragging about it because I want you guys to go see it. Um, Absolutely. So you, go check it out. Well, Vinny, it's been awesome. I'm looking forward to being on your show here. Uh, we'll record in a couple of minutes, but everybody yeah. else, I'll be live again tomorrow. What's probably about noon. If not, you'll see, you'll see the announcement. Thank you, Vinny, very much. And uh, like I said, big fan of your work and we'll talk soon. You got it. Thanks.